Hi, this is Jerry DiPiano from Fem Pharma, and you are listening to or watching the Love Mia Vita podcast. My guest today is an amazing woman who is a serial entrepreneur, a woman's healthcare advocate, and an expert in the menopause space, Denise Pines. Denise, thank you so much for joining me on the Love Mia Vita podcast. I'm so happy to have you as my guest. And we could just talk for hours, but today we're not going to talk for hours because we know that our listeners need to get on with their lives. But you have such an amazing story to share. But first, tell us a little bit more about your background because you have this amazing background. It was multiple paragraphs long. I don't know if I could read all of it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, first, thank you for having me on. And a lot, you're right. The last time you and I talked and even before this we started this podcast, you and I just have this thing where we can just keep going and going and going at it. So my journey is, you know, it's interesting. I have been in the entertainment world for uh, about 30 years now, uh, doing television shows, radio programs, and documentaries. Um, I now still continue to do documentaries, but um, not any of the other shows. Um, and you know, so that was the world kind of that I had been orbiting in when um, I get a hot flash. And I couldn't believe it. And I was like, why am I having hot flashes? Right? <laughs> and because I was, I'm very active, you know, I run, I do triathlons, I do a half marathon every year and I eat pretty decently. And so I just, I don't know. I just thought those were the, the, the sort of things that kept you away from having hot flashes. And I found that is not true. And that led me on this new journey, this journey of um, working with my um, doctor and we co-created um, tea botanics where we do teas for menopause. That led me talking to so many women, um, realizing that there were so many who were like me, caught off guard, uh, confused by even the menopausal terminology, um, didn't wasn't able to get the kind of information they were looking for when, when you go to your doctor. And so decided that I would create something called Wise Pause Wellness, where I would in fact bring these um, experts, these midlife experts who did know how to answer women's questions um, in a platform where women could physically attend and, you know, be able to hear these experts ranging from brain fog to sleeplessness to um, uh, vaginal health issues to sexual health issues and everything in between that, even physically how our body changes and how we can even dress for the body we actually have now, right? And not look like uh, we've just put a tent over our body. Um, and so um, in that journey, it led me to uh, realizing there wasn't a lot of femme, what I call femme tech aging solutions. And so I coined this word called Fem Aging and sort of launched a whole series of research for investors, innovators, and also healthcare clinicians to be able to create a roadmap for what it was women in fact did want. Um, and so that has sort of been this journey that, you know, took me away from entertainment and then into creating all of those um, opportunities. And then I sit on medical regulation boards. So I'm uh, the immediate past president of the Medical Board of California. I currently sit on the Osteopathic Medical Board of California and the Federation of All State Medical Boards. That is quite a background. And 
and we we do um, we do want to entertain as we educate. So we don't yes. mutually exclusive. So I see a natural way in which you can use all of your background doing documentaries and providing entertainment resources as a way to destigmatize, break the taboos of menopause, because let's face it, it's just a transition. And it's a transition that can be quite liberating. Yes. But we have in the past made age a stigma. So yeah. it's, we don't want to get old and yeah. we're not, we're yeah. not getting older. We are actually getting better through the transition, but we still have to manage symptoms. Yes. So I'm, I, I, I know that you launched the company Tea Botanics um, and you have, among other things, a menopause tea and you've introduced a couple of new products. So tell us a little bit more about the company that you founded and launched uh, with your one of your um, colleagues. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I, um, uh, my partner is my doctor. Um, and he's um, really big on science and how the body works. I mean, he's like a master of really understanding that. And he had shared with me some properties of this tea that came that came out of Taiwan um, some years prior to me actually getting the first hot flash. And um, so when I got the hot flash, he told me, hey, remember that tea? I gave you some of it. Take it. So fast forward, I take it. I was actually having severe hot flashes, meaning I was having one every single hour and through the night. I take this tea and in five days, it reduces down to about half. And then by the 10th, 11th day, I'm having maybe one hot flash a day. I'll call him up and go, what is this? So he talks to me about how GABA in our brain that naturally materializes um, decreases as we get older, decreases in men as well. And sort of he's figured a correlation between that decrease along with our estrogen decrease flares up our hypothalamus and in, you know, sort of um, ignites uh, the hot flash response. And so if we elevate that GABA um, along with the fact that we put some sort of, you know, estrogen mimicker herbs into the tea that we can elevate it up and stop the sort of flashing happening. And so that's really what's happened with the tea. So we have hot flash tea, that's what it's called. Uh, we have night sweat tea to support per people who have only the night sweats, a uh, brain fog, which um, I almost drink every day and brain fog tea, and then happiness tea for women who have, find themselves having anxiety during this time frame or or a sadness like depression, even though everything can be hunky dory, but for some reason they're just not feeling happy, right? So those are the sort of and um, brands um, um, that we have, and everything is organic. It's all like one hundred percent organic. So these these teas are made without hormones, which I know for some women that's their thing, and I yeah. don't condemn that because we all want to have options. Yeah. But these teas are made without hormones. The ingredients are naturally occurring, but there is some science behind this. And I know in the yes. in the scientific literature, particularly work that was done outside the United States in Asia, there's a, a vast amount of information mm -hmm. about how these herbs can actually improve mood or sleep and and you know you talked about GABA and our thermostat which is in the hypothalamus 
hypothalamus. And and we we know that we can turn that switch on and off uh, uh -huh. supplementation. Yes. So what else is in, you mentioned um, some other ingredients that are in the tier that, that uh, are these estrogen mimickers or what are estrogen they? Estrogen mimickers. So um, black cohosh and okay. wild yam. And we use um, the most potent part of that, which is the root. Um, a lot of times when you see um, black cohosh or wild yam and things, people are using the end part. So they're using the leaves, which is um, weaker. Um, and that doesn't mean that anytime you see a leaf being used inside of a uh, of a supplement that it's weak. It just happens to be these two particular herbs. They're weaker as you're using the uh, the leaf part and we use the root part. And to your point about how really Asia really understands, I mean, we know they're the masters of, you know, sort of herbs. Um, I mean, there are older societies than them, but we know that they have been able to chronicle there for, for thousands of years, the use of these herbs. So much so that our black cohosh has been classified as medicine in Taiwan, which is where we used to manufacture so we had to move manufacturing to the U.S. in order to use that herb. So they know how powerful um, herbs really are. They're medicine. Yes. And we, you know, if uh, anyone listening to this or viewing this has ever visited an acupuncturist or an herbalist, yes. we do understand that there is value there. And there is there is a great initiative that's been underway now for more than a decade in integrative medicine, yes. where we combine the benefits of Western and Eastern benefit, yes. uh, medicine. So we don't want it, we don't want to poo-poo this, this no. concept because it actually is there is some science behind it. Yes. We um and we we have a curiosity about one's ability a woman's ability to use this these products mm -hmm. if they are on let's say a woman is using hormone replacement therapy it's mm -hmm. not mutually exclusive she could still do the menopause tea correct yes she could still do the menopause tea and especially if she say been using hormone replacement therapy and she's sort of ready to wean off the tea probably could help complement the weaning off so it's not a drastic change for her body. I find women who do decide like after five years that they kind of want to come off and then they find some of those symptoms come back, not full throttle, like what made them actually go on it, but they do feel some, you know, like, oh, I'm still having a couple of hot flashes or whatnot. So this could be a good compliment to you weaning off or just supporting you while you're on because hormone replacement therapy is not putting GABA back into your brain. It's not. It absolutely is not. And for as someone who actually worked in one of the big pharmaceutical companies where we hung our shingle out uh, because we had this fabulous HRT product, yeah. it's not the panacea and it's not for every woman. So we, we like to find natural ways yes. that's more preventative, but also work well. Yes. And we know that these types of herbal products do yes. work well. Uh, yes. we, have some in our own stable. Exactly. The other, I guess the other target audience uh, of women are those women who either can't or don't want to use hormone replacement therapy. So someone that has an increased risk of cardiovascular disease or certain mm -hmm. types of malignancies where there is concern. Mm -hmm. So this is an opportunity for them to still re receive that type of relief. 
yes. with the use of hormones. Yes, that definitely. Um, even women who have um, been on chemotherapy and have had, you know, breast cancer or ovarian cancer, um, uh, you know, they're told to stay completely away from um, estrogen. Um, and so this would be a good complement of them. They still need estrogen. We all need estrogen, as you know. We have estrogen receptors on every single cell in our entire body, from the brain to the end of our toes. Um, I think one of the other things, um, Jerry, that we don't do as an entire society, and definitely in the educational part of our society, is really teach about our body. Only people who go into healthcare know how the body works. Why is that? We should all know fundamentally how our body works, right? We should know where our kidneys are, where our adrenal glands are, right? Where our heart actually is. Uh, we should know these general things so that we don't we feel a bit more empowered when we actually go to our healthcare clinician and have a conversation. Um, but because we don't, we feel so like, I don't know what to do, or um, you completely give over 100% of your control to your physician, that should be a partnership, right? That should be conversational. That should be, the doctor, of course, is the wise one, but you have the ability to go and do your own research and then make your choice, right? Absolutely. And we don't see it like that. Well, unfortunately, when we think about where we received this education, it was probably, at least with women, we received a little bit of education when we were either in elementary or the early part of our middle school, yeah. and we learned about menstruation. Yes. And then we probably had a teacher that was not that qualified to have that discussion with us. Yeah. Perhaps if we had an enlightened parent, mom, yeah. we learned a little bit more from our enlightened mother but we really didn't have the anatomy and physiology conversation that we all need to be having. Yes. Then fast forward to motherhood, yeah. another issue where depending upon where you grew up and what your resources were, perhaps you didn't know a lot about pregnancy, about conception mm -hmm. and fertility mm -hmm. or contraception. So you were lacking in that information and oh my gosh, menopause, who ever talked about menopause? Nobody. A lot of this does start with medical education, and this is not an indictment of any HCP, but they will all, these wonderful healthcare practitioners will tell you that in medical school, yeah. textbooks were full of information and it was largely about the default male. Yeah. So really didn't get a lot of great information yes. about the woman's body and yes. how it differed in physio physiology and anatomy, of course, were obvious, but how does that transition take place? And it's well, still very much that way. When you, yes. when you look at, um, I sit on the admissions committee for a medical school, when you look at curriculum today in 2023, it is not very different from what it was 10 years ago, meaning that women make up a little bit more than half of the society. And listen, we just talk about the U.S. And still, we don't have any any robust um, education about that body in medical school. Absolutely. It's mind-boggling. 
Absolutely. And, and, and menopause is still maybe a 40 minute uh, seminar. Maybe. Yes, it is. Um, there is a dearth of good information about what happens during the transitions. Mm -hmm. There is a lack of good educational material available in medical schools. And of mm -hmm. course, that that unfortunately impacts the patient relationship. And then let's be honest, our physicians are super busy. Nurse yeah. practitioners ditto. It's gotten worse. Yeah. So if you only have 15 minutes to have that conversation, it's unlikely that you're going to get into the kind of detail that is necessary. So this is a this is yet another initiative yeah. that we need to promulgate in yes. our medical schools and even in what we will call middle school, high school, and uh -huh. beyond. Yeah. So it really is an opportunity to do a better job of educating and then increasing that level of education as one progresses through one's career. But it's also our job, yeah. entrepreneurs in the space, yeah. to do our best to provide that kind of information. And we can potentially fill those gaps. And speaking of the gaps, we know that there are so many gaps in terms of what is available in, in menopause. It's starting to change, but let's talk about the gaps. And then let's also talk about the racial disparities because oh, yeah. that's a huge issue. Yes. Um, so um, the gaps, the gaps in education or the gaps in care? So I think we could, we, we talked about the gaps in education, and I think this is really in the, the gaps in care, because let's face it, we, we do focus a lot on certain types of concerns of women. Yeah. There are many issues. I think you, you know, we talk about brain fog, you talk about anxiety and stress. So some of those gaps and how they are being filled today. Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest challenge is um, that there's only, there's what, 25,000 um, OBGYNs in the U.S., um, and of those 25,000, 25% of them have any knowledge around menopause and can actually help care for you. So most women are going to at least initially see their general practitioner. And general practitioners, you know, back to what you mentioned earlier about time, really, if they haven't already studied menopause, which they haven't, they really have no information. So a lot of women show up to general practitioners who honestly can't help them, who either tell them um, uh, you're too young and you could be 59 and they'll say you're too young or um, they'll give you some maybe some pa paper, you know, for you to go read on your own um, or they immediately prescribe a low dose estrogen and have not done any hormone tests on you or anything like that. That's typically how what happens to a woman when she shows up to her general practitioner and potentially to her OBGYN as well. So we need a massive push for all of us who can push to the medical community to step up. Physicians have to step up and take some medical education, take a couple of CMEs and, and menopause they have to step up. You know, the we talked earlier about academia. Most academia departments or, or directors are men. We need to poke them about improving upon the curriculum that they've put in place as they cover women's health, specifically menopausal transition. So I think like we've got these pokings in a couple areas where these gaps 
really just lie in general care. Um, because, you know, we can't, we're not going to be able to address these onesie, all these different symptoms, right? They've identified 34 symptoms, but you know, there's really about 61 symptoms yes. of menopause. And yes, that's very hard for a doctor. So if I showed up at my doctor and I go, doc, doc you know, my heart is racing. I'm sweating at night. Um, and, you know, my, my breasts are tender. That doctor has 12 to 15 minutes to figure out what am I going to give Denise? Okay, the heart thing, I, I can probably work with that. Let me think that's cardiovascular. Let's do an EKG. Let's maybe refer to a specialist, blah, blah. I'm gonna go, they're gonna go down the path of cardiovascular because it's very easy. And being a person of color, they're gonna think, you know, well, more black women tend to have um, higher rates of heart, you know, heart disease or cardiovascular or hypertension issues, right? That's what what that's what's going to happen to me, and that's what happens to a lot of women. Or if I show up and I'm having, I share I'm having anxiety. I don't know where it's coming from. So the prescriptive is going to give me antidepressants. Well, I don't need antidepressants. Or I take the antidepressants, and guess what? They really didn't work. Because that's not really what the issue was, right? It's menopause. It's menopause. <laughs> so that's, you know, these are the things, they sort of gaps that show up when women show up at the doctor. Just so many different things. That's why at Wise Pause, I want to say that the age group of the women that were there, I know when I threw Wise Pause in, you know, we haven't even really talked about that, um, are between the ages of 48 to 65, which means these women are still suffering through perimenopause, through menopause, and in post, they're still having challenges that are not, that have not been treated, managed, solved for them, right? Yes. So we are not um, even crossing the barrier, which this should all kind of be somewhat stabilized. And, and unfortunately, a lot of this is individualized. So it really requires yes. the 15 minute conversation. So you mentioned black women, there is a difference in Asian women, there's a difference yes. in Caucasian and Hispanic yeah. women. You look at yeah. things like, for example, the number of black women who may have uterine fibroids yeah. for menopause may have started eight years earlier yeah. and their doctors are not providing them with sufficient information. And again, this is not to be hypercritical of the healthcare practitioner. They didn't have that sort of training. So there is, there's a gap of knowledge. There's a gap of information that flows to the woman. <clears throat> and this is where we can play a part. Mm -hmm. I, I believe that we're seeing more companies entering the space, companies mm -hmm like T-Botanicals mm -hmm. and like M Pharma Consumer Healthcare with mm -hmm. the product offering that he that we have in MenoWell to name just a few. Yeah. And really all of us have banded together yes. to bring this information to elucidate this mm -hmm. transition in life and to offer solutions. Some of them are overlapping solutions, yeah. but that's okay. You exactly. may prefer to do a tea rather than a, a, a pill or yeah hormone replacement therapy. It's all good. You yeah. need to try it. Different yes. things to see what works for you. Exactly. In the, the case of 
how has the investment community caught up in terms of their appetite? Because this is a massive, massive market. More women. Yeah. I think we have a by 2025, it'll be 1 billion women worldwide who are in menopause. Yeah. And we look at these, these women are have young women. In 1980, yeah. there were there was this massive cohort of women that turned yeah. 40 years old and they are in our sweet spot, right? Yep. They're yep. the worried well. Yep. They and don't want your mother's menopause. No, they are. That group is what um is they're um the oldest millennials. So when we think of millennials, we think young. Well, guess what? I mean, millennials as a generation were identified over 10 years ago. Well, now they've that the the end group of them of them are all in their early 40s, right? That end group, they're between 40 and 43 right now, right? So they're entering into the perimenopause stage and, you know, they're, they're going to be like, what the heck? There's not a solve for this. You got to be kidding. So I, you know, so I think we'll find more solutions and they're definitely millennials definitely talk about stuff. Um, they're, they're not trying to suffer through it the way the older generations, right. Um, have, um, suffered through. And I think one of the things you said was that we all get together all of us who are in this space as entrepreneurs, we are, we see this as a sisterhood. No one sees each other as competitions, even when we are competing, because we know this has been so squished down that it's going to take the power of all of us to raise it to a level where we actually can thrive as businesses. So you asked about the investment community. So the investment community, you know, so there's sort of like, I guess, like three three aspects of investment for um, menopause, right? So there's um, the sort of CPG supplement um, over-the-counter kind type of thing. There's the digital um, folks who are either having apps or they've got telemedicine um, aspects. And then there's folks who have devices, um, for like fibroids and things of that nature, right? So that's where the, how the investment community is looking at what solutions coming into market. The other thing that they're thinking is no one has been a unicorn, right? We don't ask this of other things, but right. there's been no unicorn. So is this really a market, right? I think we are still trying to get out of this as niched. I don't know how you think something that happens to every single woman in the world menopause is a niched market, right? With something that has 61 symptoms associated with it that you think this is niche, but we still have high, high percentages of investment decision makers who are men. So what you're finding coming into supporting these um, organizations, these startups are women you know, women who are banding together and investing into different businesses. The challenge is that the amount of investment needed is really large, but the amount given is very small. So if I'm a CPG company to go into a Walmart or a Walgreens or a CVS, I am gonna need minimum $3.5 million. But what will get offered to me is a half a million, right? And I've got to perform a trick, a miracle. Um, I've got to juggle this and juggle that and do it all on a toe, 
right? And that is the how we're held to, how women businesses and women in this space is held to on a different level than a guy who writes some tech thing on a piece of paper and can go and get instantly $10 million for that. So we don't value, we're not valuing this woman in a way in which the investment dollars can come into it. I mean, I've had um, men, investment men say, well, you know, my wife doesn't, she, she doesn't have menopause. She doesn't. And I'm like, how old is your wife? 51? Yeah, she's gone through it. Maybe she's on hormone replacement therapy. Maybe, maybe you've never listened to her talk about her symptoms. <laughs> you know, so their barometer is whoever is that woman in their immediate space, right? Because they definitely don't know about the women outside their space. They're definitely not paying attention. They will pay attention to their wife. Yes. So, so if their wife isn't having that experience to them, they don't think this is mass. So when I talk about menopause and menopausal transition, I describe it as you start in perimenopause and until death, you have these types of chronic persistent symptoms for the most part. And when you talk about things like hot flashes, yes, they may subside to a certain degree, but you have them for, some women have them for eight to 10 years or longer. Yes. Talk about vaginal and vulvar symptoms. It's chronic and persistent. If you stop using product to treat that condition, yeah. it will not go away. It will get worse. So I, you know, I, I have this conversation with prospective male investors, because uh -huh. most of the investment community, no secret to anybody watching or listening to this, uh -huh. we need more women to go into private equity and make the decisions. So uh -huh. I am, I, from when I speak to young women, I say, if you want to go into finance, uh -huh. go into private equity and become a partner or a managing partner, learn how to raise a lot of money. Yeah. Then please deploy it into women and women's health care. Yeah. There's a massive, massive market out here. Um, and when you, but when you talk to men today, what I always bring it back to is, are you having sex with your wife? You don't need to answer me. Are you having sex? Because here's, here's what, what they're not telling you. What they're not telling you is they're probably not having sex because their wives are in menopause yeah. and it is painful and it's, they don't want to admit that. Yeah. If they're using an ED drug, their wife, their wife is probably falling asleep because she's really tired. So she probably doesn't want to have sex. Right. <laughs> and then her mood is bad, right? So she's looking over at him and she says, I want to put the pillow over your head because you're snoring and I'm not sleeping. So there's the sleep. So yeah. shall we go through the 60 plus symptoms? The one you know about is the sex. The one you know about, and this is what I say to guys. Yeah. Then they're like, oh, yeah, maybe my wife can use your product. <laughs> yes, sir. That's right. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, by the way, when she's changing the sheets in the bed every night, yeah. it's not because you're having sex, it's because she's sweating through the sheets. Right, right. Get <laughs> off the covers. We know what's going on, right? <laughs> you're telling me you freeze. Right. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. That thermostat down to 66 degrees right. and you're all bundled up. You're like, you're telling me your wife not in menopause. I'm telling you, you're lying. You're lying. Yeah. And those, are the, and those it, coincidentally, those are the ones that walk away and go, yep. Yeah. 
sense to me. It makes sense. We need we need more of that kind of conversation. And yes, it is. And you can entertain. You yeah. know, we yes, talk yes. about the cocktail parties all the time, right? Yeah. 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 yeah you're party, right. And they'll talk about it. I agree. So in terms of that conversation, that totally radiates for the older male investor. But there's there's you know, I would probably say at least you know more than a third are really young. Yes. Um, are not quite, they're not having that conversation with their mom. So they don't know, you know, that sexual part of it. Um, they may see their mom sweating, but they're not, they're just, you know, honestly, they're frankly disconnected from that. So, um, it is still hard to penetrate even, you know, that group, that, that guy who, you know, his wife is probably suffering, like that conversation really works. So it's, you know, it's definitely, we definitely have, um, a challenge. We have to get men to talk more about this. One of the things that I do is like in my gym, all the guys know I'm the menopause woman. And they will come over and say, Denise, can I ask you a question? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, right. And so they now feel comfortable. They actually now are actually proud. They were like, oh yeah, um, Denise, I, a friend of mine, she was having hot flashes. And I talked to her about, oh yeah, I know about hot flashes and night sweats. And there's things you can do about that. And their friend, you know, they were saying, oh my God, they couldn't believe, the woman couldn't believe that they knew. Right. So men do, men who love women want to be helpful. They honestly, they really, really want to be helpful. And we have to figure out how to engage them, uh, how to um, help them have conversations with the people in their lives. Um, and how to, um, you know, make help them to be advocates in this space for us. We are not going to charge through this without engaging them. It's still really? going to be this thing that we're still struggling to get investment dollars, um, still struggling to get it as part of curriculum in med schools, in lots of areas where men lead research dollars. Men make a lot of the decisions about research dollars. I don't even think um, the NIH has yet to get a menopause code so that you can actually get research dollars specifically for menopause. And that and that is a, a huge issue. If you uh, you know just completed the uh, census survey that as we did, one of the some of the questions there talk about were you getting research grants to do some of the work that you're doing, and it is innovative work. Yeah. But look for the RF. Look for the re, uh, request for proposal. Mm -hmm. A request mm -hmm. for proposal specifically in menopause. Mm -hmm. That is a that's a very good point. And you're right, enlarging the conversation to enlighten men, younger men, you know, we joke about the older guys who, you know, if they have a female partner, they may, you know, recognize a symptom or two, but they don't recognize all of the symptoms. So it's part of the educational process to engage the younger men. Yeah. Who care about a number of things. They may care about the women in their life. They they all have a mom, right? They uh -huh, may uh -huh. always have a female partner, but they all have moms. Uh -huh. Perhaps they have a sister. Uh -huh. And they want to look at the numbers. And the numbers, if if you're looking at a market that has enormous value where you can make significant contributions, financial contributions, this is your market. 
menopause is your market where there is a significant return and we can show that very easily. Yeah. And if you want to scale, look mm -hmm. at four or five or six companies that are working in the space that if they were consolidated, mm -hmm. would really be a powerhouse mm -hmm. for in the mm -hmm. menopause space. Yes. Yeah. So they haven't caught up yet, yet. No. I will no. say they haven't caught up yet, but we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Now, Denise, how do you define success? You've been doing so many wonderful things. You've you know, been in uh, doing documentaries. You've been in entertainment. You have led a medical school as its chairperson. How do you define success? You've had so much. Um, I, I define it really by me using my talents. Like when I feel like I'm using my talents all the way to the max, I feel like now that's success, that I'm using everything I have to do whatever I channel it into, right? Um, I listened to a podcast um, of a speaker who wanted to speak at our, our event. And so I was like, oh, what did he really talk about, right? And um, so I listened to this podcast that was called All In. It was about nine minutes. And it basically was a story about her son and that when her son was 13 or 14 years old, he knew what college he wanted to go to. And he was, he was um, a fencer. So he was all in on everything about what was required to get into this college. He would even, he, uh, uh, he even went to the college's uh, tournaments for fencing. So the coach knew him, the players knew him. Um, he did academically everything he was supposed to do to get into this college. He applies and he doesn't get in. Mm. He doesn't get in. And so he goes, okay, I'm gonna tell him why I think I'm a great candidate for this school. I'm gonna handwrite a note. What kid handwrites a note? I'm gonna handwrite a note to the head of admissions. He handwrites three notes. He sends it three separate times. Crickets, no response. He finally then has to go to a college. He goes to a college and he goes, I'm going to apply um, as a transfer student. Looks at what is all the things I have to do? What, how many X amount of classes I have to take in order to be qualified to transfer to this school I want to go to? He does all the paperwork, da, 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 he gets in. But this kid was all in, in every part of what it was going to take to get into that college, he went all in. And it made me say to myself, what have I done recently where I'm all in like that, right? And so I'm going to pick something when I come back from vacation and say, I'm going to go all in, meaning I'm going to use every resource, every person I know, and I'm going to go all in on this. I kind of have a feeling you're all in on pretty much everything you I'm do. I'm pretty much, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much all in. Yeah, That individual who is re resilient and tenacious. So what, what advice would you give to, um, as a mentor and potential role model? Because I'm sure that women listening in, would look at you as someone who could be, a, probably is, a mentor and role model. So what advice do you give to your mentees? Um, to take the word can't out of your vocabulary, 
um, take precedent out of your thinking um, and to, you know, now would be be all in on whatever that is that you really want to do um, to really, if you're going to get, seek advice, really listen to it. A lot of young people have their way. They want to do something, but we've been around the block. I mean, you and I, we've been 21. We've been 30, right? We've been 40. We have a history. We've been in the place that you are eventually going to get to. And there are ways that things work that don't really change no matter what generation that we're in. Um, so really um, listening to the guidance that is being provided and also not to waste your mentor's time. I always tell people who want to meet with me is go and answer whatever your, put your questions together and then go find that on Google or some, or some other research. And ask me the questions when you get my time, because you might not get my time again. Ask me the questions you absolutely could not find, right? Because those are the questions that are not going to be found. Yes, right? you have a limited amount of time and you have wisdom that you can share. And it's a particular type of wisdom, right? Mm -hmm. Given your, your track record, your history, your personality why waste your time why waste your time the person that's inquiring and why waste the time of the person that's giving advice i think that's that's it's something that i am going to remember when i talk to my mentees for sure uh-huh yeah. yeah homework before we have our conversation and if you don't think i'm valuable then probably you should probably find another mentor because you can you can learn a lot about me by googling me it may exactly. be i may be the wrong mentor yeah, exactly. And then lastly, um, you're going to take some time off. You talk about stress and all of us who are in menopause have, and particularly those of us that are entrepreneurs and running businesses as you and I are, mm -hmm. what do you do to keep, keep the stress under control and at bay? Um, so I do a couple of things. I mean, I start my day a particular way. So I start my day with um, reading, um, sp with spiritual readings, right? I read in two different kinds of, um, um, books and then I sit with those thoughts and then I say, how are those, how, are, how is this reading going to show up in my life today? And to be open to that, right? To be open to something that isn't on my to-do list, right? Because the universe is talking to me. And to see if I can respond and accept what is going to come into inside this day, right? Um, and then I work, and then I go and I work out. So I run. So I go and run. I do have a, a trainer I work with. Um, and so I'll do that, either go run or go to the gym. Um, and then I'll come back and I'll sit at my desk and go, okay, what is the plan for the day? Like, what do I have on my schedule? Um, and then I kind of let that day, you know, really flow in. And then I love to read. So I love reading magazines to books. Um, and so I started a few years ago um, just reading, you know, nonfiction. Because before I would read everything about how to be better, how to do self-development, you know, business books, things like that. And one day I was just like, I'm just going to read something like so brainless and found I really enjoyed it. Like I really got into the story and I read it really, really fast. So I try to find you know, a book that I can read over like two months. Um, and then I try to prioritize uh, my family and my friends on Saturday. So I'm either going to 
hang out with my friends on Saturday or hang out with my family on Saturday. Um, and so that's kind of how I do it. And then Sunday, um, I kind of like winding down in the evening. So sometimes I'll go to like, I live in California. So there are in Southern California in particular. So I, there's tons of sound baths and I love sound baths. So I try to do one once, a, once, once every six weeks. Um, and then I do massages twice a month. Well, that's quite a repertoire. I love that. So what I'm hearing is that you have a lot of balance in your life and that's so important. So the elixir is your physical fitness because we know that those brain chemicals, you know, we just start flowing and they are, the, they, they give us joy and they help us to focus and get in the zone. Um, spending time with other folks, uh, people that you love. I love the spirituality. Great advice. It's great advice because for anybody that's listening in to this podcast, find find some things that bring you joy, that distract you from, you know, sort of the the mundane. And and sometimes even entrepreneurship gets to be mundane, right? Yes. So you to take that mental holiday. And I know you're going to be taking one very soon. And I, I wish you a restful and restorative holiday away from technology. Yes, tech is tech free. I haven't done tech free in, in years. Well, I envy, I envy you. I'm going to try to do that myself. Okay. And I know that my partner husband is looking forward to that day because it's been <laughs> a while. So I'm going to take your I'm going to take your advice, Denise. Okay. Yes. Denise, it was wonderful to have you on the Love Mia Vita podcast. I hope that our listeners and viewers enjoyed this as much as I did, because I I always I always enjoy our conversations, Denise. And it won't be the last time. No. I, I hope and pray that you and I will have more conversations about all yes. things menopause. Yes. And remember to love Mia Vita, love my life. This is Jerry D. Piano with Ms. Denise Hines, and we are signing off. Thank you. Thank you well.